Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated, and aired live every week only on the Nonproductive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Al. Hey, Al, how are you? I'm great. And how are you, Pete? I'm great. Oh, did I say, did I call you Ken? Yeah. It doesn't matter. None of <laughs> it's you, all good. We're, we're all interchangeable. interchangeable. Nobody knows. <laughs> On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Ken, and fair to the rest of you. <laughs> uh, and uh, whatever to the newbies. Yes, we tell you what to read. It's a comic book podcast. You get it. Uh, this uh, month, we've been doing uh, the Hasbroverse, IDW's Hasbroverse, uh, which is an interesting little um, love letter to a bunch of 80s toy nostalgia Really, in comic book format. I agree. Uh, as yeah. inspired by Al, who is our guest commentator during the show. Uh, at the end of the show, we're going to have some reviews from Marvel, uh, and some stuff from uh, some independent comic book publishers, because we're really cool. And, uh, you know, other stuff, too. So uh, stay tuned if you really are sick of 80s toys, because we're not. Uh, this uh, this episode, we've got a couple of books you've recommended for us, Al. Let's walk us through it. What's the first book you want us to review? It's, it's This is the Spotlight book, right? Yeah, Spotlight Megatron, which is basically about uh, Megatron comes back after being assumed dead for a long amount of time to find Starscream has led his Decepticons into ruin. And this is a prequel to the, the book we're going to spend most of our time on uh, during this review, which is Chaos Theory, the two-issue arc. Yeah. Okay. It's a good setup to Megatron's character because we get a little bit of it in Chaos Theory, but it's a, kind of more of a prime story than a Megatron story. Mm-hmm. And this lets you know who that character is as, as we're going in. So full disclosure, I read this chronological to pro- publication order. I read Chaos Theory first and then got a little bit more backstory from Megatron in that that Spotlight book. Uh, I think it works either way. I Honestly, I think it makes sense either way. So yeah, I, honestly, I don't even see the connection between the two books, really, other than, you know, the, there's the character named Megatron. Mm-hmm. Because the, the Spotlight Megatron didn't really, to me, give any uh, insight into the character that we're experiencing in Chaos Theory. Really? I did. Yeah? I felt yeah. Okay. it did. Can you guys win me over? Okay. Uh, how would you... So, uh, I I'm, I want to talk about this in, in publication uh, timeline. I want to talk about Chaos Theory first. Okay, let's go for that first. And do it as the uh, publisher intended with a prequel. Okay. All right? Okay. So, is around, I think, 2011 uh, in the Transformers. IDW was... Uh, this, this isn't a very crossover-heavy book. In fact, I don't think there is a crossover at all in this part. It's no. just a flat Transformers story. Uh, and Chaos Theory tells the story of immediately after there is a little recap page you blink and you miss it mm-hmm. it's just text on one of the the credit pages um and it, we get the background that uh that uh, uh that megatron has returned after being presumed dead for a long period of time uh he shows up fights optimus uh and then surrenders as opposed to you know wh- taking out optimus and optimus wants to know why why has megatron showed up again and then surrendered to him uh, and there's a little bit more background they're all on omega uh, supreme. supreme they're on the the missile part of omega supreme <laughs> uh, who is uh, hurling through space trying to find uh, i guess a place to oh they're they're going to fight galvatron's armies is that right? Yes, that's actually right. Yeah, so that's a little. Uh, I I didn't even pick up on that. It's all in it's the little dense. paragraph. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a. It's not necessarily pertinent to the story going on, but it's definitely where their destination is and something going on with another event that's happening. So immediately, we've talked about it before on, on in this uh, this review series. Uh, you know, you gotta you have to figure out where your fans are, where they where they're coming at this from, and. I re- it sounds so stupid. I recognize those names and I know what's <laughs> happening. I get the idea that Megatron uh, is the big bad and he's been out of play for a while and he has come back and he's even bigger and badder. I understand that Megatron and Optimus have this duality, this fight that goes on forever, and that it's unusual for Megatron to willingly surrender to his mortal enemy. Uh, I'm hoping that we're not getting a enemy surrenders himself on purpose because his plan was getting captured, but we don't know. Uh, and Galvatron, who in the comic, in the in the movie, in the animated film, uh, was you know had this weird connection with Megatron in that he was Megatron, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was so more or less basically Megatron reborn. Yeah, so I know that something must have happened because Megatron uh, Galvatron is out there on Cybertron raising an army, and that sounds cool, but it creates the illusion of setting. It doesn't make me feel like I need to know all this moving forward. It's just the illusion of setting. I like my my imagination can fill in the gaps and say, oh, this feels like a real world. Mm-hmm. So already I'm I'm pretty much on board. 
Uh, and this story, I think, this two-issue arc is really about the connections between Optimus and Megatron and this war that's been going on almost endlessly between the Decepticons and the Autobots. Mm-hmm. I... It's dense. It's pretty dense. It is a little bit, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, why did you recommend this book for us? I recommended this book, Chaos Theory, because it's the book that got me started reading IDW comics. Yeah. Like, I, really? I will be honest in saying, like, I kind of wanted to touch on this one at least once because it's my favorite comic book. Mm-hmm. This story is probably my favorite one that I've that I've read that I felt came out of IDW. It's a, a James Roberts uh, story that was uh, pe- uh, drawn by Alex Milne, and I really like his work in this too. I think that uh, we do not have any of the mess that we had in Wreckers. Then I feel like there's a lot more defined characters. In oh this. yeah, yeah. Everybody, every character definitely stands on his, on their own. I can make it out. Limited camera characters. Not everybody's like fighting for page space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say this much that that was so little of a problem that I forgot it was a problem in the records. Yeah, like, yeah. I I wasn't even aware that this was a problem that had been solved in this book. Yeah, as opposed to the records, and I think that's very important if you can pull it off that way. Yep, so that you're not even conscious of the possibility of a problem. Yep. Yeah, if you look back to our uh, earlier podcast, we were talking about the records. That's what that was almost the nail in the coffin, or at least a big uh, hurdle we had problems overcoming. And here, it's 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 brilliant. It's well it's well laid out, and uh, that says a lot. Um, as for the story, this is a. There's two things that I'm not quite sure about about Transformers. Right. One, this newfound fascination with making the Decepticons not the bad guys. <laughs> right? There is a weird kind of like, I look at this story, and I'm not exactly sure where the start point of that is. I think it may have been the animated movie, which was probably unintentional. Yeah. Um, or shortly thereafter, when they talk into what sparked the the big war between yeah. Decepticons and Autobots, and you talk about class warfare at this point, and whether or not you were forced to be in a certain station in your life, or whether you can, um, you know, you could transform and be something more than what you were designated at 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 birth or designated at Forge. Um, that's really interesting, but I, I'm almost as a as a fan who grew up with it, blindsided by it because it feels weird. If and it feels very artificial, and we'll we'll actually see this more in other books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book is not too heavy. It's the Decepticon as am I really that bad? Am I? Uh, this is actually one of the cases where in Chaos Theory, I feel like they they rode that line pretty solidly. Yeah. So I, I do think. Megatron's a bad guy in this, but they're laying down the groundwork for future books like the Spotlight on Megatron, and especially, especially the other book you had us read, yeah. More Than Meets the Eye, Revolution of One, where the the line between good guys and bad guys is pretty much obliviated. Yep. Yeah. But I think that that's that's so interesting because you still know he is the villain because there's even that whole conversation where he goes on, and it's almost because. I guess because he's fresh in my mind, Thanos-like, where he's saying, like, well, once I rule the world and everything is under my control, well, then we just start to rebuild. We make things better. Like, only when technoism takes over and, like, we get rid of the filthy organics and everything else that doesn't matter. Like, he talks of peace through tyranny. Peace through tyranny. He's very much uh, movie Thanos, not so much comic book Thanos. Yeah, again, only because that character is so fresh in my mind can I relate him to that. Mm Mm-hmm. But he thinks he's doing what's right. And to a certain extent, I feel like that's a characterization that's not necessarily bad for that character. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think I, in, agree. I think in Chaos Theory, it works. These two b- stories, you could see a person who's slipped uh, off of having ideals and being like writing a manifesto and trying to send, send it to people to deciding, you know what, it's more than just ideals and I need action. And I think that's part of why I have that disconnect with the uh the, with spotlight mm-hmm. megatron because in spotlight megatron he really comes across to me as more of the cackling 1980s cartoon bad guy i will achieve domination for domination's sake essentially which is so weird cause i don't necessarily feel that's true i feel like it definitely characterizes him like it's part of the idea of i've come so far that like 
almost any action can sort of justify what what I can mm-hmm. get to my to my means. Um, and he knows the order that things are supposed to be. When he starts talking about how ah well you know Shockwave is is plotting uh you know. Uh, Soundwave is watching everything and Starscream is back to wanting to usurp me again. Everything is as yeah. it should be. He wants to reset things so that, once again, he can have control. Maybe he's cackling and having fun about it and, you know, beating up on his subordinate because it's something that he's used to doing at this point in his life yeah. anyway. But I don't feel like he still ever registers that himself as the villain. I think he still sees all this as... They're not even necessary evils. They're just necessary. I think he just looks at this as like, well, Starscream's kind of, you know, a scumbag. And me beating him up doesn't really matter because he is a scumbag. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I just don't think that the, Meg- that the Megatron in Spotlight has any desire to make the world a better place. I don't know, because he still talks in Chaos Theory about, like, I've killed millions, millions. And Prime asks him, do you, are you sorry about this? He's like, no, not at all. I'd do it again yeah. and I'd do it harder. I'd kill more. I'd make more. I'd destroy I, I more. I only wish I had more time to hurt more. Yeah. So here's a couple of things that are floating around in this one. I feel like Chaos Theory is in, like, it's all about tone. And the tone of Chaos Theory is very serious. We're going to take these characters incredibly seriously and that they're actually, um, these are uh, people who are living in a reality where the war has been constant and 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 devastating to their psyches, uh, where Optimus is struggling with the decisions he makes as a leader. We don't we're not having even talked about Optimus yet. The fact that I've actually seen Optimus who's got doubt, and Megatron is making the hard choices of being the bad guy in this revolution. Uh, when you get the spotlight, I feel like they they take the needle back. A little the other way and they bring it back cartoony where he is a little bit more ridiculous in his ex his his attempt to be um the leader of the decepticons again yeah i think i think that's kind of what i was trying to say yeah i i would agree with that and i think it's all depends on the order in which you read these books and they're not like in one one arc these are no these are picked from a various different books they're it both gets, good stories yeah and it gets even odder when you factor in uh more than meets the eye uh because that book takes the needle back all the entire opposite direction it makes it much more humorous so much more cartoony yeah but at the same time it it raises that thing that just has kind of haunted pop culture for for at least a decade now, more, probably about 20 years, of the, let's re-examine the bad guys. Are they really that bad after all? It's the prequels effect, or even the the more Mm -hmm. recent Star Wars effect, where there was a time when you could read, watch the original Star Wars trilogy, and the Empire is bad, the Rebels are good, that's it. Mm -hmm. Then the prequels came out, and what are the prequels established? Well, are the Jedi really that good after all? Aren't they a little kind of yeah. misleading? And, they, yeah. and then suddenly now we have new Star Wars movies where even the rebellion is bad. Even the, or what are they not? They're not or the rebels. Not, the resistance. Not, the the resistance. resistance. It's it's just that war that goes on forever. And, you know, the war profiteers are the ones who are really, and it's a more adult look at good and evil, right? Because, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, mo- no war in history, very few can unequivocally be called a good and evil war, but um, it's still, this is Transformers. These are robots in disguise. Uh, Frank, <laughs> the Franco-Prussian War? Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that made it, that's what makes it feel odd when I'm reading a book, especially a very humorous book, that suddenly gets uh, preachy about, well, are bad guys really that bad after all? I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, that's kind of just the establishment for the cartoon. Why, why do we have to re-examine this? Well, I, I think that's why I liked that book more. I, why I enjoyed that take on it. Yeah. Because it, I had less of a problem with it because it doesn't really feature any real iconic characters from sure. any of the properties. You know, you, you can... I, I, I'm okay questioning the motives of uh, random... Decepticon A. I can't even remember any of their names. Oh, Misfire Crankcase. Sure. Yeah. It's like, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know? So many fans like, are angry at you right now. If if you're if you're telling me that Megatron actually liked to, you know, was trying basically trying to save puppies, then then I'm upset. Yeah, but, but crankcase, if, 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 if yeah. crankcase is like, eh, no, I 
to know what I'm doing here, really. <laughs> so I'm okay. I think we are really... First of all, we're all over the place because we keep jumping back and forth yeah, yeah. from books. Let's try and like keep uh, focus but, back on But it, The point is, and I think this haunts IDW uh, and their run on almost all these properties, is an inconsistency of tone, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you have a lot of readership. If you've got a lot of people who are really very actively engaged and they don't mind that... Sp- this Spider-Man store book is a more f- kid-friendly one, or mm-hmm. this Batman book is a more kid-friendly one. But it's a little odd when you are picking up a Transformers book and you're like, I don't even know which Transformers I'm going to get in this. Am I going to get like Rescue Bots? This is for kids. I'm going to get this as serious for adults who adult man babies <laughs> <laughs> who uh, want to see serious things with their toys, or is this going to be some sort of weird in between? Uh, for me, uh, of the books we've read, the chaos, the two issues of that, knocks it out of the park. I like that tone. I do, too. I really, too. really enjoyed. Uh, these are characters I know very well, and this is a story being recontextualized in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily thought I would like. Uh, the, the original meaning of Optimus and Megatron. And I really think they did a good job with that. I think they did a great job. I like, And it takes place in a way you would never really expect it to go into. And it's that weird moment when, like, you realize one sort of inspired the other to be who they are, and like, you who would call that? And I like that they uh, they respected the minutia of the of the original source material. I, I I like that they respected that I took the time to learn who Orion Pax is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and didn't you know screw with that too much? No, not really. Right. They, they made him a cop, which isn't that really necessarily that much of a far stretch from what he was before. No. It, yeah. it, you could have even fit that into his origin with a little bit of retconning. Yeah. And I love the pacing of the story. I love how we have one that's current, what that's happening in present time, and then these flashbacks as they were weave, woven in and out of the story. I think it's really nice. that There's a powerful moment of doubt Optimus has several that are really mm-hmm. good. Him passing off the Autobot Matrix just long enough so he can know if his decisions are his own and that the concept of that is uh, fascinating to me yeah because you think about it like it provides him wisdom and all these things from the primes before him and like there's that i like the idea that like well you know what can i do this can i can i be a leader let me hand this off and i'm gonna make this because this is gonna be one of the hardest decisions of my entire life i need to make it i think there is a certain amount of uh, wish fulfillment in there uh, that us as humans can't experience, you know, it's like, what if I, I take off this aspect of myself? Yeah. Would I still be the same person? Yep. Yeah. And I think it's uh, a fascinating way to play with all the 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 mythology that comes up in Transformers uh, to the point where even describing their the little stylistic things of Megatron having the um, the construction stickers or, or yes. decals all mm-hmm. over him as if like I'm a worker this is my thing really amazing and uh, fr- frankly there's a, two books that make me think about this never really thought of the nature of a robot that transforms what it is uh, and what it can mean for humanity for a human reader who's thinking about like what whether you are who you are when you were born or whether you have the ability to break out from what you were yeah. assigned and I think that's really interesting because you think about it like he's done horrible things but he has gone far beyond what anyone ever told him he could do which is sure. you're a minor you will live and you will die and he's like no like I like again he, what he's done is not is inexcusable he's a monster in, in the galaxy and like there's a reason why there's this huge like galactic government or universal government that's deciding hey a lot of people have died you got to provide someone to blame for this mm-hmm. and like him being that person like it's it's still sort of oddly inspiring to be like you, you, this can be anyone right yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. it's 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 a very interesting book I'm prepared to give it a rank uh, and a review as uh, am I Pete you want to go I will start off I'll give it a near mint very good to be honest I, I really enjoyed this story I think if you're a Transformers fan uh, you're, you're gonna I think love it I'm gonna give it a mint I think it has my favorite comic scene of all time which is um, Optimus Prime going into the Senate and giving that speech. I think that is still powerful even now. Like I, after rereading it a few years after having read it again, it still works for me. It is a mint. It is my favorite comic book. Very ever. nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I, you know what? We we talked about it a decent amount. 
uh, Transformers Spotlight 29 Megatron. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, this is a one issue. It's fun. It, to me, it was fun. First of all, it was absolutely worth it just to see uh, his uh, alt form, to see Megatron's alt form after yeah. the, uh, the, the coming back. Do we spoil? Um, yeah, sure, I think so. A stealth bomber? Very nice. And a, a full-on jet fight with Starscream. Yeah. Um, and I also like the, the the existential crisis of a giant mortal robot and what it means for them to die and come back and die and come that back. That was really cool. Like, yeah. I was really into that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, to be honest, I, I think it was pretty good. I don't think it was uh, amazing. I, I don't think it's essential reading. I think it's a good... I gave it a bell anyways for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? If if I had been able to push uh, Chaos Theory into Mint, I might have given this a near Mint. Mm-hmm. But since this I, it wasn't quite as good as Chaos Theory for me, I'm also going to have to give it a good. All right. I'll give it a near Mint because it's like I really enjoy what it has. But it has a few problems, but I always enjoy what it has to offer. Right. All right. And here's the big one. This is the one I've been dying to talk about mm-hmm. because a big part of the Hasbro-verse is the fact that there are these potential, these wonderful, this wonderful potential for crossover. Mm-hmm. So this book, <laughs> The Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, Revolution. Revolution was the event that brought all of the Hasbro franchises together. Uh-huh. And this was the, and, um, the, the this is one of the ancillary books to this event. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> uh, first of all, I do not understand this fascination with having the Transformers on a some sort of social network. That is, this is the second book in this limited run series on Near Myth that has done that, where uh, we've had Iron F- Fist Iron. Physitron, oh, Physitron, right. Physitron was the the uh, the Reddit name of one of the Transformers from the first, and this one they've got some sort of like uh, conversation, conversation. Uh. Oh my god! <laughs> so the basic premise of this is, and the one thing that did not deliver, and I don't understand this at all, was for some reason Grimlock, Grimlock is been adopted by a rogue group of Decepticons. The war is all but over. Um, the Decepticons, these Decepticons are like kind of rogue agents i guess going yeah. out and doing stuff and they are friends with grimlock is that what i pretty much yeah after the events that took place at uh last end of the wreckers grimlock's kind of dealing with trauma in his own way and uh-huh so they're watch trying to take care of him so i actually had zero problem buying into this concept I, yeah. like just like okay this is bananas got it yeah and the very cover page of the, a bunch of Decepticons and Rom, and they're all sitting there in a cafeteria eating. Uh, but regardless, the, so yeah, the the uh, I guess the story is part of this. This Decepticon team is trying to chase down Grimlock, uh, and they run into some friends, friends from GI Joe and Mask. <laughs> Heavy well, asterisks on that. <laughs> and the other part of this team are trying to set up a guy on a date. With somebody he met on a forum, somebody he's crushing on, which feels very much like they're crushing on. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it is weird in the context of this book. Uh, I, I don't know. This is the worst crossover I have ever read, and also possibly the best. <laughs> it is so aware of itself that I it absolutely so love aware. it. <laughs> There's no way we could talk about this without like, spoiling it. I started off, first of all, I was, I was furious about the way they uh, presented the mask guys. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? That looks nothing like mask. <laughs> what, what? Have you ever looked at a mask toy? <laughs> this thing is so packed with self-referential, like referencing the fact that they're in a, crossro- a crossover. Effectively, to just... To just Spoil it. The fact that you need brand recognition to achieve (laughs) the crossover. There is a god called the Brand. Yes. Who uh, this dire wraith is a worshiper of, and they need to do the uh, brand recognition. They need to do a crossover, which means you need at least three different species (laughs) for it to be a crossover. Otherwise, it's a team up. A team up. A team up. Oh my god, I didn't hear it. Yep. All right. So, anyways, a bunch of Decepticons, one Joe who's barely in it, and some Decepticons who's barely who, a Joe. Yeah, who pretend to be mask people because just for just because and a dire wraith 
just because it's effectively this yeah. is a Transformers story, but that just peed on all these other toys. <laughs> it's it is funny. It is very weird. I don't know what to say about this other than you need to read it if you could find it. If yeah, this, if this anything has we just to be said sounds good, you have to read it. I I don't know what the hell to rank this. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think it's great. I, I I've I've never read a comic book that was just like so willing to like just say, listen, we know what we are it, completely and utterly, and we're yeah. not going to have any qualms about it, and we're going to make a joke out of it. Like, I love that idea. It's almost a what if, but without a labeled what if or a, or a what the even. Yeah. Yeah, what the or whatever the DC it's, version it, of that it's is. It's one of those comic it? books that doesn't do anything to specifically take it out of continuity. Yeah, but God, and please yet, do. <laughs> wow. Do we yeah. really have to acknowledge that this is uh, this it, is actual continuity? L- l- Al, you have to rank this book first. I would, I'm honestly going to say, and you're all going to disagree with me, it's fine. Um, I think this is hilarious. I think the characters in it are incredibly charming. I think even MP3, the G.I. Joe, is has his own has his own kind of really fun bits in it. What was the name of G.I. Joe's I, accounting force? <laughs> yep. I love... The Webcam. Fa- I love the fact that Misfire and Spinster are like know the the mask theme song for some dumb reason <laughs> mask yeah yeah that's that happened yeah it was great i love that one of the one they of the know things, the mask theme song but they don't know what a human face looks like or not to bury them when they're passed out <laughs> listen you gotta read this book what's your what's your ranking on it i'm gonna say it's a mint for me i love this oh my book. god the bell didn't even work all the way through <laughs> pete just say anything. Just I don't gonna... understand this book enough to give it right. Mint. I'm sorry. Um, oh, did you say I'll, mint? I it's said, a mint. Uh, I was gonna say a ne- I'm, I'll give it a near mint. <laughs> All right. Wow. Amazing. I'm gonna go mint. <laughs> I didn't. I literally didn't know it till I said it right now. It yeah. is weird. It is, but like I think it's sort it's the of best iconic. Kind of weird. If you have any interest in any of these properties and maybe some reservation, I think you'll like this because it's like, all right, yeah, you also thought it was weird that they were doing <laughs> these toy crossovers. My lord. Well, this was fun. Thank you very much, Al, for suggesting. No it. problem. Um, we are gonna. We're. I think we're gonna keep on it. I think Hasbro's coming back with the the new stuff soon. Yeah, right? Hasbro's ending its entire universe with the big Unicron event, which I'll come in at some point or other and let you know what I think about it. Either on on air, off air, and they're going to restart their entire thing with from day one, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah. hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I think it will be. I think once you have a little bit of experience doing this kind of stuff, I think you have to run a couple of like really awkward crossovers, and and that's true of any of the other the publishing houses that have been doing it for you know forty plus years. Yeah, you do these really weird crossovers that don't really make a lot of sense or have a lot of impact, and then later on you build on it. Yeah, but I think it's been a really fun ride, and I'm I'm thankful for like the ten some odd years we were able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think, yeah. It's if it goes out with a bang, then I'll I'll be appreciative. Right. And uh, I think it, what's m- most important to keep in mind is, in the words of a very powerful dire wraith who was masquerading as a Decepticon, who was on a online message board, and eventually needed the help of a not so GI Joe and <laughs> a bunch of Decepticons who were fans of Mask, possibly fans of the TV show Mask, because they knew the theme song is. Brand awareness is really important. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, more Near Mint on the Nonproductive Network. Howdy, folks. This is Frank from non-productive.com interrupting your podcast feed for this urgent message. We're putting on our first Kickstarter, and we need your help to reach our goal. And beyond! Nonpro is planning a movie night. A movie marathon where we're streaming some of the best of the worst flicks of all time, and we're raising money to cover operating expenses for the year. Every dollar you donate gets us closer to some truly, truly terrible films, and we're going to stream the entire experiment for you, our loyal fans and supporters. Oh, and hey, we're also donating some cash to the ACLU, because protecting our right to speak out is sort of important, don't you think? And if you support our Kickstarter, there are some awesome rewards in it for you, including watching some ridiculously amazing films with us in studio. To donate, please head over to non-productive.com slash movie night and show us your support. Thanks. 
Back near Mint Comic Radio. All right, so we are temporarily done with the Hasbro-verse. It was an interesting exploration of some uh, very weird stuff. We're joined in studio by Ken. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? All right, Pete, you're still here. I am. Uh, and Pope might chime in every few minutes if he sees something or hears something he likes. Yeah. Just like an excitable puppy. We have a couple of uh, non-IDW books to review. Actually, um, I think we're, we're a little heavy on Marvel right now. Yeah. But th- I think Ken has something unusual for us as well. Ken, do you want to start us off? Sure. From IDW, I have... <laughs> is it IDW? Really? Yeah, it is. Oh, I didn't... Well, that actually makes a lot of sense, because IDW is really kicking out of the park with the whole bringing back these like nostalgia properties and revamping them. Yeah, and I was excited when I saw one of the new books that just recently came out. It looks like IDW is trying to tackle Dick Tracy. That's awesome. Very cool. And got a little excited when I realized who some of the creative team was. Uh, It's Lee and Michael Allred. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Michael Allred, known for Mad Men and uh, most recently working with Silver Surfer over Mm -hmm. at Marvel, um, tackling Dick Tracy. So it's him and his brother Lee doing uh, writing the book and penciled by Rich Tommaso. And it's it's pretty interesting. They go back and take a look at the original concept of the character because back when he first started up, he was that uh, no holds barred, gritty, dirty cop. I mean, not dirty cop, but like he he gritty cop. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he didn't mind gr- bashing heads in for no reason, apparently, to make a point. Yeah, and at that time, I don't think that was necessarily. Um uh, shady for a cop yeah. to be beating people. They were all. They were all. I mean, they were clear, clearly physically. Uh, you could tell they were bad yeah. guys. I mean, they had d- deformities, and that made them bad. Uh, from the uh, from, from the cover, it's a it's a Mike Allred cover, which is just really cool looking. I mean, it's his style taking on the somewhat classical look of Dick Tracy, but with his own spin to it. And then when you open it up and you have Tommaso's work. It's very reminiscent of some of those early books where it's like that classic Dick Tracy profile isn't how we know it today. It's kind of like that early stage version mm-hmm. look of it. Uh, wasn't 100% a fan of all of the art, but it's pretty damn close to what we got in the beginning of the, of the, of, of, of the strips back in the day. I like when we talked about this beforehand, I like the way Ken was sort of um, he had kind of a Stockholm syndrome with the book where he's like, you know what? I think why the, the character was a little off template in the beginning is because originally the Dick Tracy was a little off for a few pan for a few strips or a few months. But as it, as the original artist was getting a hold of it, it's like the first season of The Simpsons. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. That I don't think that was you. Do you honestly think that was intentional by artists in this book? Um, or you want to believe? Initially, I, I had a problem with it, but looking back, it's like, well, this this makes sense if because this is a, a prequel story to that, the original strips. That's fa- fascinating. If true, if the artist was like, yeah, I'm going to gradually get into doing Dick Tracy right. That's really clever. Um, but cool. but the art for me isn't completely consistent throughout the entire book, so that does kind of mm-hmm. tend to throw me off a little bit. But it's a pretty cool, interesting story. It's about how uh, he's getting essentially fired from his current position and being sent to another city. Oh. Uh, apparently, this was a thing for him back in the day. Nobody wanted to work with him, so they would they would transfer him or ship him off to another city. Yeah, can we actually take a moment and think of, talk about uh, what we, what our personal histories with uh, Dick Tracy is? Because I'm not sure if we're all on this at the same page. I think a lot of people listening also come at it from yeah. a different... Clearly, it began with a Warren Beatty movie. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I, I don't recall much of the Warren Beatty movie as, as a kid. As a kid, I was primarily uh, aware of Dick Tracy from the McDonald's tie-ins to the Warren Beatty movie. That that yeah. sounds pretty accurate to the Pete I am aware of growing up. <laughs> that you would know more about the McDonald's tie-ins to the movie than you would of the actual film. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't. I think I have to be honest. I think the movie was first in mind for me. Uh, I I think when there was a big like a hullabaloo. Hullabaloo is a good word? Yeah. A big hullabaloo for when that movie came out. Everybody made a big deal about it, well, and it, then it, it was, came back on... It was the first comic book-type film to come out after the 89 Tim Burton Batman movie, so everyone, I think, was really curious and excited to see how this was going to go down, considering how huge of a juggernaut Batman was. Right, absolutely. Uh, I, so I think that may have been the first... I don't remember even watching the movie as a kid. It was something. There was something very odd about it. It just sort of like... It existed for me. I knew it was there, but I don't... I, 
like many people, was like, I don't know if I like this, but he did. Too monotone did, color-wise for you? I, no, I don't think so. I think I even liked that style. I just don't think I got it, maybe. Uh, and it wasn't until the animated series, there was a new Dick Tracy animated series that came out right around the time. It was a tie-in to the movie, and that's what I watched. Really? And that made that. me aware of this like legacy comic, and that was actually one of the big reasons why I went into... Um, I got into like older comics that weren't around. Believe it or not, I'm not 120 years old. I I was not around when Dick Tracy was originally published, but I don't think I was. I uh, will have to we'll have to research do some carbon one. dating. Um, but yeah, so like that's and, and it was just the radio wrist, wristwatch and everything. It was really cool, even though even at that point it was totally retro for when, us when we were kids. It was already retro. Well, it's funny you bring up the wristwatch uh, radio because even in the old strips, periodically, if you remember in those strips, they would have little arrows at one point that would have words in there that, would say, that yeah. explain like what they were doing, and it would say like two-way wrist radio or something, yeah, so yeah. you knew what he was using. They do that in this, and the only weird part was, I guess this is also contemporary. Because at one point, they actually have one of those arrows to show that a villain is is disposing of a burner phone. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, trying to figure out where this takes place is kind is, of... Is it a little bit like Batman the Animated Series, where it's it like, is. Uh, it exists somewhere in Art Deco land? It is. That's yeah. almost exactly what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, it's interesting. Uh, but one of the best things was, he goes off to his, um, his, his new town... To, to uh to, to join the uh, department and we as the reader knows that all the heads of the, the the city the commissioner the mayor um the the chief of police are all corrupt by the mob mm-hmm. tracy walks off so he's in philadelphia yeah. so tracy walks off the train he's being greeted and the first thing he does is punch out the mayor and <laughs> and, and put handcuffs on him because he already knew that 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 they were taking advantage of, of the uh, city, and he starts bringing them in, and that's where the story really starts, where everyone who's behind the scenes with with, with the town are now uh, upset and worried that that a guy like Tracy is now part of their that's their, 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 their town. That's really cool. All right, um, so uh, you're the only one who read it, so give us a, a review. Do you recommend this? If you're a fan, or if you like the whole nostalgic, I guess, art deco, as you were saying, yeah. I think it, it might be interesting to, to try out and at least check out the first issue or two. I would I would go, for me personally as a fan, I'd go near Mint, but I don't know where this story is going to wind up taking us. Right, right, yeah. Are you going to read the issue two? Absolutely. There we go. All right, all right that's pretty cool. Uh Let's let's keep going with our with our reviews. Uh, Marvel has some interesting books out. Pete, which yep. would you like to talk about first? Well, the one the one I uh, tried to call your attention to uh, first because I knew you were you, you're totally eager for these. We got the latest uh, Infinity Warps special, yeah, uh, which is Weapon uh, Hex. Weapon Hex. Yeah. Thank you. I was uh, struggling for it. First of all, all points for the great name. I think an yeah, awesome name, good. and I I really think a great character design. Just looking at something that seems like an obvious mixture of um, Scarlet Witch and X twenty three. X twenty three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Laura's Laura's back to X twenty three now. I think now that Wolverine's alive again. Right. So uh, I've, I and I've really been enjoying these these Infinity Warps. Uh, this is obviously part of the uh, Infinity War uh, special. These mm-hmm. spinoff books that show the aftermaths of Gamora having the Infinity Gems and yeah. crushing the Marvel we've, Universe we've in half. mashed up a whole bunch of characters mm-hmm. into uh, these weird amalgams. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to say amalgam. Of course. Uh, so let's talk about some of the ones, some of the uh, features in this 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 issue. Yeah, uh, I guess we could go full spoiler um, at least for a couple of minutes. Uh, 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 for those of you who are here for the review, I'll say that not their best work in this in this case. I, I tend to agree with you on that one, Frank. Uh, and it's a continuation story, one of the few that gets a second issue, so a little disappointing on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, okay, now we'll go right into the spoilers and talk about it in detail. What are some of the things that pop up in this story? Uh, first thing is that that creature who is I cannot pronounce one of it's Mephisto mixed with the other guy with the Catonic. Catonic? Catonic? Oh God, you're right. I forgot it wasn't even. It, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's that Kithon. demon. Kithon? Kithon? Yeah, Kython. Kython. Something like that. Uh, please don't sample that, because that will probably summon something. 
uh, if you play it backwards. Yeah, it's a, this the demon, the MacGuffin demon that is the yeah. the thing that the high evolutionary uh, mashup is trying to summon into the world. Yeah, I'm not even sure who the high evolutionary is supposed to be mashed up with here. Yeah, it's so that's one of the big f- drawbacks for this book for me is I don't recognize most of the the f- that's the fun of this to mm-hmm. see how they mash together characters and I could tell that it's happening but I don't know who yeah. they are. This the- one really feels like they they wanted to write a uh, an X23 story. Yeah. And just just pounded in other elements they shoehorned they could. yeah scarlet witch as best as they could and the basic story is that um they're in some sort of uh you know gothic part of the world mm-hmm. they're trying to summon I a think demon it does, well it does it does claim to be mount wandegore yeah and they're trying to summon a, a big demon god for whatever reason and they need a perfect vessel and that perfect vessel will be this girl um who is effectively x23 yeah with a little bit of uh, Scarlet Witch in there. There's some elements of the Scar- the uh, the Scarlet Witch Quicksilver backstory in this. The raised by a cow person. The mm. high evolutionary kind of shows up. I, they didn't really explain much about. Uh, I forget what they call Bova in this. Yeah, something else. But d- d- does does she appear to be a vampire cow? There is a lot more. So they, there's pointy teeth. They've doubled down on the um, the Transylvanianess. Yeah, I, of and the I I may be imagining origin. this, but I thought at one point she was wearing a cape. Uh, yeah, it, the whole thing is jam packed. Yeah, no, she's definitely wearing a cape. Okay, good. Like and a Dracula fa- has a Dracula cape, cape and fangs and what have you. Um, the whole thing it just doesn't like none of the little elements really land. Bavel is what they call her. Uh, so I'm not even sure who that could be. Yeah. I, I, I'm i at a loss for most of these things. I feel like at one point the Sons of Guns, was it? Uh, the Midnight Guns. Midnight Guns. Which was Midnight Suns, Suns. And you see some mixture of the various, like there's there's Punisher there's and Punisher there's Punisher mixed Rider. with, I guess, da- Damien Hellstrom, yeah, maybe. It's, it's just a very, none of them are amusing. Yeah. None of them are like not even clever, and they're they're a little deep. There's little inside it's baseball. Real deep. You like you have to be a real dyed in the wool X twenty three fan and Scarlet Witch Midnight Sun. Doesn't fan. sound like a, a, a like a frequent mix. No. Uh, yeah. So most of these references did not land. I'm not even sure who Hellhound was. It looks a little I'm, bit like Sabretooth and maybe Hack. I was thinking magic. Magic? It looks like magic. Like and then Sabretooth? Ileana Rasputin. Yeah. And then maybe yeah, Ileana Sabre- Rasputin yeah. and Sabretooth, I think. Yeah. And there's some of it just... And the entire premise of them, you know, giving birth to the perfect vessel, who is a little imperfect, mm-hmm. and then the mother, who I have no idea who that's supposed to be. That... I, I don't even think that she's mashed Shh. up with anybody. It's Ugh. just... Uh, it's just... Uh, what's her name? Kinney. Who, oh. cre- who helped create X twenty three? It's basically the same origin thing minus the magic. Yeah, it's it's very odd. I'm not exactly. It just there's a certain expectation that we've gotten in the last few uh, Infinity Warps that there'd be a little bit of like levity and just uh, off the wallness of just throwing things against the wall and see what sticks. And this does it. It has all those elements. It like followed the numbers. But it didn't land for me. See, here, here's the thing. I, I think this is the first one that we're reading that we're not really at all familiar with any of the backstory for both characters. Mm. It's like I, Scarlet Witch has always had this kind of nebulous shifting. There was nothing really iconic about her origin. I would say to that me. I'm pretty familiar with Scarlet Witch. I'm not as much as X23. I bet I, you anything you're not as familiar as you think about Scarlet Witch. Oh, I, do, they I know that they keep changing, it. and I know most of the. I think I know a lot of the variations, but I. I but I, I just not. I'm not sh- convinced. This is. Uh, oh, this isn't for me. I do yeah. think there's something lacking in this. I, I think they they definitely did a, a lousy job of making it accessible for people that aren't fans yeah and the reason why i'll go above and beyond and say it's not necessarily accessibility which is we're probably spending too much time on this one little throwaway book Fair enough. but um it's the 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 idea that her mother her the the woman who chose to give birth to a vessel so that it could be used to summon an evil god from beyond 
uh, grew attached to her and now wants her to follow her own way. It really felt arbitrary. Like, why? what makes you think this child who was raised in an evil castle by a mad scientist and many mad scientists... You happen have to a, be a mad scientist. Yeah, ...would happen to have a conscience that would guide her into not being evil. Like, that just... It, it felt like you... Well, Frank, you obviously don't know anything about women. Yes, that's why true. Why the women folk, once they have a child... It changes them Completely somehow. changes their personality. There is something really kind of, like, toxic and nasty about it. It, is, it just yeah. feels like a, it really cheapens it, which is... Was this, was this really written in 2018? This feels weird. Uh, yeah, so the whole thing kind of just wraps up in a... And there, there's a... Ref, somebody gets refrigerated. I don't even know if you can be refrigerated if you're in one issue. Uh, and the, <laughs> the last thing, it, the, the big reveal was just ridiculous and not in a way it was the closest thing to being ridiculous for being fun although you're gonna have to guide me a little bit on this one speed weasel is definitely there's quicksilver's younger sister yeah. uh but weasel uh is it's a, a reference to laura kinney's i guess you could consider her a, a, a younger sister she's another clone of wolverine oh all right uh, but they call her honey badger <laughs> which is it, it sounds stupid when I tell it to you, but if you actually read the books, it's adorable, <laughs> and the awesome. character is amazing. All right. The well, character needs to be all over the place. Well, this book has at least one more issue in it. I don't know if I would read it. I, I, I My ranking for this is a... Uh, it's a fair... I really like I really like these Infinity Warps. This one just didn't feel yeah. like it did anything for me at all. Um... I think I, I think I'm gonna agree with you on that affair. I, I can't quite give it a good. Yeah. I will probably read the second issue just because I, I'm intrigued by the fact that I love the honey badger character and I hate Quicksilver's character. So I'm gonna be curious to see how uh, they combine the two. Yeah, that would it's be like cool. there's it's such a disconnect for me that I wanna see where they go. Mm-hmm. But if, if it weren't for my personal attachment to that, those characters, I would not bother. And I don't, like I said, we've been spending a lot of time on this one book, uh, and uh, it's generally not a good idea, especially when there are these like little quirky books, and there are so many better little quirky books. Like, what if Marvel Comics went metal with the Ghost Rider? What is this thing you show me? Ken, did you read it? No, I didn't even know this existed. I know that it. they're doing a whole bunch of what ifs lately, but oh my lord, is this like them just taking a jab at uh, Dark Knight metal? Uh, I know so, this has nothing to do with metal. Yeah, like, like the I, DC I, I, Comics I thought story. the same thing Ken did though. At first, I thought, is this going to be an attempt? Not even an attempt to uh, replicate it, but like just sort of tongue in cheek. And I think maybe there was a little bit in the naming and the titling of this, but it's amazing. This, this book is. Everything you want in a goofy, stupid book. This is this is a, a in comic story reference to the publication of the Kiss comic, the famous Kiss comic. From yes, seventies, late seventies. Yeah, probably late seventies. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know what else to tell you. It's about this metal band from Latveria. Yes, a death metal band from Latveria. So that's amazing already. Mm -hmm. uh, called Hassenwald. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, their their visit to Marvel Comics uh, uh, publishing studios, and they're on a tour by uh, the uh, their latest Marvel intern, Robbie Reyes. Which like I took me a long time to figure out what was going on, and I still don't I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I don't care. It was wonderful. I loved this band. I loved their first. I loved the, all the tongue in cheek stuff from Marvel Studios, uh, the offices of Marvel, and I loved the way the band appears and how normal they are after the <laughs> setup. That is just so brilliant. Jokes. Oh, it's amazing. This this had uh, if you're a fan of Metalocalypse. Oh yes. This this will. Uh, from Tied you swim. over. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, it, so much of that, like, crazy death metal yeah, imagery. Like, it's like a band that definitely buys into its own uh, mythology. Like a death metal band that buys into its own mythology, but to an extent, because they're still really excited about getting a tour of Marvel Studios offices. Mm -hmm. And the, even the type well, the of one fan they is. are. Yeah, one guy is <laughs> the big fan, and the other guy's like, I've seen the movies. And I'm like, that's, that's genius. That's wonderful. Uh, 
uh, an abrupt end. I did not expect that ending. No, and that that and it just cut off. Especially when the when the uh, the title page promises 166 issue uh, pages. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not happy with that. But you know what? I, I'm I'm okay with it because I don't know where else they could take that that would make me happy. Yeah. I mean, it was like this was this was what you want. And and honestly, listening to a lot of metal music. Mm-hmm. And and these storylines that they tell through metal music, you never really get very good closure yeah. on anything. Sure, sure. This was this was just perfectly metal in every way. I'm glad they're having fun with what if, uh, and I'm I'm going to give this near mint. I really enjoy the hell out of this book. Uh, I'm glad you made me read it. It's amazing. <laughs> Go ahead and hit that again because it's going to be too near mint. Nice, very cool. All right, this is a very good episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, I, I had fun with RIDW month. I think it was uh, interesting reading some books that I wouldn't normally have read from the Hasbro verse. Uh, and excellent. There's a couple of things I can't wait for the relaunch to happen, and we they get to try again with some of these properties uh, because I, I think once you get a little history behind you, you know what works and what maybe doesn't quite work. Um, and yeah, I think it was a, a fun experiment. Uh, if you enjoy fun experiments, boy, do we got one for you right now. Nonproductive is launching its own Kickstarter for Ooh. movie night. Um, yes. movie night is a big deal for us. We're going to be putting on a movie marathon. Uh, and this movie marathon, we're going to watch some of the worst movies you can imagine. How many movies, Frank? Uh, it depends on how many uh, dollars we get. So we Ooh. have a Kickstarter up right now. You can go to it at non-productive.com slash movie night. And the more money we raise, the more movies we'll watch. And there are some really terrible ones coming down the pipe. If we hit these stretch goals, I'm really excited about it. The money goes to fun things at the station. And also, we're going to make a big donation to the ACLU at the end because, of course, that's important Very for cool. reasons. What a clever uh, and unique idea, Frank. I am so excited. You. Yeah, uh, you sound it. Uh, if you want to find out more, just go to our website again, non-productive.com, uh, and you can follow along with the Kickstarter. Please donate today. We really could use the support. And, of course, like, follow, and review. Give us a a five-star rating. Uh, it really does help a lot. Thank you all, and good night. And tell your friends about the Kickstarter. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.